are you a pilgrim that's walked the Camino de Santiago? Could be any of the Caminos. If so, please send us a message on our Pilgrims Podcast Facebook page because I would love to interview you. I'm always looking for new guests for the podcast. And as a thank you, I will give you a copy of my Camino de Santiago memoir, The Only Way is West. It's a bestseller in the humorous essays and travelogue categories in the UK, in Australia and Canada, and also a bestseller in sports essays, ecotourism and literary travel in the USA. So please get in touch. And like I said, as a thank you, I'll give you a free copy of my book, The Only Way is West, which currently on Amazon has 73 reviews and 4.8 out of 5. So that's the announcements over with. Let's get into the podcast. A wandering wanderer, a life adventurer, said he's a secret philosopher. He's a wandering wanderer. Uh-huh. Hello there, once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking El Camino de Santiago, as well as tips, tricks, and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. We're going to put more bounce in your boots, more K's in your days, take the grim out of the pilgrimage. To that end, we are talking to a lovely lady from the UK, England to be precise. Janine Lytham has walked the Camino del Norte all the way from Biarritz to Finisterre in June 2018. So Janine, please take us back to the time and the place that you first decided to walk the Camino and tell us why. Yeah, so hello. And um, yeah, thank you for having me on your show. Um, so uh, gosh, taking take me back to 2000 and in fact, no, it was 2004. 15, I had just finished reading the book called Wild. It's a memoir by Cheryl um, Strand. Um, and it talks about her journey through the Pacific Coast Trail. Um, it's also a book that they turned into a film. Um, but, you know, I preferred the book. Um, and that just kind of, that just sort of ignited something inside of me that I hadn't felt in quite a long time, actually. And... Um, yeah, it just, it just, there was something inside that there was a quote in the book that just um, started making me think a little bit harder. And it said something, it said something like, um, I'm a free spirit who never had the balls to be free. And I just kept thinking back to that quote, because it just really resonated with me at the time. Um, you know, so many people had told me, you know, gosh, Janine, you're a free spirit, you know, what are you doing? You know, get out there. And I was also I was always sort of confined to the you know the place I was living in, even though I knew that my my life before that had always sort of involved travel, even from quite a young age. Um, and that kind of sort of lingered in my thoughts. And then um, for Christmas, actually in 2014, I asked for a subscription of National Geographic, and you know it came. I got it, and then. Um, I think it was it was May. It was the May edition that arrived, and I was just you know browsing through it on a Sunday like you do. And um, there was this article called "The Way," and it was a picture of two Roman Catholic brothers in the countryside wearing that sort of brown linen robe look. And 
it was just that beautiful view of the hills and you had these two brothers standing in the midst of everything. And I don't know why, but again, I just sort of went, this sounds, this sounds amazing. And they just, they do look really strange, but imagine if, if, if I was there, what would I say to them? What would I have anything in common with them? And it, all these sort of like exciting sort of, you know, things were running through my mind, but it was just the excitement that something that was a little bit closer to home, because the Pacific Trim Coast Trail is, oh, it was a bit far out, a bit too wild. It was something close enough for me that felt tangible that I could do. Um, so it was then, I don't know why, I just decided that I am going to walk the Camino. And I hadn't done any research. I hadn't done anything. It was just something that I had decided it was going to be for me. And this was my adventure. And and then I sort of told people about it, you know, you know, people that I thought might be like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And no one really had anything nice to say to me about it apart from, oh, gosh, you know, Janine, that's that's, you know, people have died doing the Camino. And I was like, really? <laughs> um, and it was sort of like, oh, are you going to be able to do it? It's quite, it's quite a tough challenge, Janine. Are you sure? Um, and, you know, I, I just never really considered it to be a, something that would be a struggle for me, even though, you know, it, it is for some. I just thought, I don't care what people think. I'm going to do it. So um, I looked into it and I realized, you know what, it's going to take me six weeks, really, if I to complete this properly, because I really, I don't know, I, li- I really liked the idea of having my, having a passport and it being stamped along the way. And it was yours. And it was something quite special to you. And um, I didn't want to just do two weeks out of the six and then go back and revisit it later. I'm sort of someone that's all in. If I'm going to do something, that's that's how I, I like to, um, you know, how to live my life. And um, so I just parked the idea. I just sort of thought, well, it's clearly not the right time. And then, you know, fast forward three years later, you know, my life sort of changed quite dramatically. And in some ways, I'd call it sort of like a tower moment where, you know, everything around sort of it kind of came crumbling down. You know, you have all these expectations and things just weren't going in the sort of plat, you know, the way that I'd sort of expect them to in life. So I decided that I was just going to start afresh. And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but, you know, I did the thing where I decided to quit my job and I didn't want to, I just wanted to go on an adventure. And my first starting point for me was the Camino. And that's when I did it. So June the 1st, 2018, I got on a plane to France. Right. So what I want to go over a little bit later in this interview is what exactly were those things that were the catalyst for you deciding that you were actually going to go and walk it. So we're going to leave that cooking for a little bit. Um, But right now I'm going to ask you, once you'd made the decision to walk the Camino del Norte, which is not by all accounts from what we've heard on this podcast and what I've read about it. It's not an easy one to start with. It's long, as far as I've read, and it's also got lots of steep gradients and hills and wild countryside. How did you get in shape for it? <laughs> Good question. 
Well, actually, I, I didn't. <laughs> and I'll tell you the reasons why. I hadn't, I hadn't planned on doing the Camino del Norte. I had bought the book for the French way because, as, as you may have sort of noticed, I hadn't really sort of done much planning. I just decided I wanted to do the Camino and I hadn't even considered that there might be more than one way to do. And I, I remember I was getting, I was, I was on the plane to France and I was sat next to quite a lot of people that were all doing the same way as me, the French way at the time. And I just, something in me just said, no, I don't think this is what you want to do. But I didn't understand at that point that there was other ways until I got to the hostel in Biarritz. And I got chatting to this um, really lovely girl from Sweden who just sort of just chewed my ear off about the North way and everything that she said to me, every sort of the words really resonated with me in terms of, you know, it's going to be along the coast. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be different. And that's how I end up doing the North way. It was never part of my plan. So in terms of getting fit, let me tell you, I wish I had thought about this earlier on. <laughs> so in hindsight, yeah, I mean, I can tell you what I would have done if I had, you know, done my training in advance. Enlighten us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is not for everyone, but I think this is something that should be considered. Um, it was, it's actually um, to start practicing yoga. Some people out there are just like, no, no, not for me, not into that sort of stuff. But actually, what it really helps you understand is it allows you to be aware of what is right for you. So, you know, one of the key things about yoga is it's not about pushing yourself to the point where you're breaking. It shouldn't hurt. It's it's not about competing with yourself. And, um, and it, in some ways, that's quite similar to the Camino. You know, you're not you're not supposed to push yourself to the point of extreme pain because what happens is you become injured and then you're not actually enjoying that experience fully. So yoga is a good one to start with. So you're able to engage your body, you understand what your limits are and you start to be more aware of, okay, that hurts, I should stop rather than I'm just going to push through that pain until I'm at breaking point. Um, so yeah, so yoga. it allows you to get in tune with your body. That's what yeah, you're saying. Exactly. To listen exactly. to your body, eat a bit better. You get better at listening to your body if you do yoga. Absolutely. Now, are it. you? Do you yeah. do yoga regularly? I do. I do. So I imagine have... someone hasn't done yoga before, Janine. What? What this discipline style of yoga should they start with? Would it, would it be hatha yoga? Would it be? Ashtanga, would it be standing in a sauna at 100 degrees, making your, <laughs> you know, your muscles flexible? I'm guessing it wouldn't be the latter, but what would you recommend for that? You know, I would say um, rather than kind of picking a type of yoga, I would just say, just take yourself to a class, just pick one, any. It all kind of works in the same principle. So just pick one that you feel resonates with you. And it's just understanding how to start breathing connecting to the flow of your breath and maybe just picking one that allows you to, you know, stretch. You can, you know, there's so many different types, ones where that, which is more about breathing <clears throat> um, stretching and understanding different parts of your body. Any of those are suitable because it's not, you know, you can't always sort of target every pinpoint all at one go. 
but at least it allows you that sort of, you know, you can tick at least one of those three off the list and it will still be of benefit to you along the way. So, yeah. So definitely you'd incorporate some yoga into your training. I mean, we've heard many different approaches to training and more often than not, they involve walking with a weighted pack up to the distance yeah. you're probably going to cover on your first day and doing that at least three or four times before you go walking with the same pack that you're going to walk with because there's such a thing as shoulder blisters as mentioned by our Camino coach Cassie Childers at Rail in episode 30 or 31 I think it was we've also mentioned wearing the same clothes that you wear on the Camino as well because sometimes you might buy a new jumper or a new pair of trousers and there's some label that you don't like and it gets on your nerves so it's about doing as much of a dress rehearsal of that as that of that first day as possible but also like you say you can complement that with a bit of yoga for the reasons that you've heard from janine there so good advice there janine thanks for that oh, and i've got some more actually please do that, yeah that yeah yeah the floor is yours <laughs> um I've got to come I, up with a new line i keep saying that one but yeah go for it <laughs> the second one that i would say is um, start considering the distances and how far you might walk per day. It's just sort of like get into that feeling of, right, okay, you know, what, uh, you know, it, for example, when you're doing the Camino del Norte, you know, perhaps sometimes there are days where you really do have to walk 15K. You don't have a choice because there will not be somewhere for you to stay. So, um, you have to kind of get into that mindset of, okay, well, what happens if I do have to walk 20K? Can I actually walk 20K? So how, what I would suggest is just to test it out by planning some distant walks. Um, and, you know, you can do it by, you know, just getting out with a bunch of friends and just planning a route for a day and just seeing how that feels. Um, another way is if you want to sort of get into that momentum is, you know, just join a walking group. Um, you know, it's just sort of, learning how to sort of deal with the different gradients different sort of you know things that might not seem a big deal at the time but they can be later on so it's just getting into that sort of motion before you go which is helpful and I think the third one that I would say which I really wish I'd done because I'm not that physically unfit but I tell you what you know you're gonna have to deal with some huge gradients on the um the north Camino del Norte, which I hadn't even considered the scale of them. So I would say try and start. I know it sounds really just build lunges into um, like start doing lunges, whether that's five, 10 minutes before you go to walk at work every day. But just start to do a little bit as you can every day. And like you said, Brad, you know, ankle weights are really good just to sort of build up that strength because, um, you know, it is. It's, it's not easy to begin with. And if you can just try and do that sooner rather than later, it might just change your perspective and your um, first couple of weeks when you're walking the Camino. Great advice there, Janine. Thanks for that. And I like what you said specifically about the community, some community support by maybe joining a walking group as well. That could always spur you on and you're held accountable between the members of your group as well. And obviously you can pick up some tips and ideas from maybe more experienced walkers, people that have done stuff that you're about to do. So that's a really, really nice tip as well. And I, I fear for how your feet were acclimatizing during the first 
few days, maybe the first week, that's when the body seems to be breaking itself in and where those pain points seem to come out the most. How were your feet the first few days? Did you get any blisters, any blister and foot oh, care gosh. tips? I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't tell you. I, <laughs> I, I, I was crumbling and I mean, I never thought it could get it could get this bad but it did and you know I look back at that time and just think my god how did he get through it because I mean I could barely walk <laughs> um and was this because know, of blisters this was because of lack of training for mm. what I was taking on um I, I mean first of all I remember I walked from Biarritz to um Irun on my first day I didn't class that that was just my tester day I was carrying about 15 16 k on my back and my gosh I tell you what that alone set it off you know you don't realize the heavier bag it just kind of pulls down on your whole body all the way down to your feet so that's tip number one do not do what I did. <laughs> Don't carry so much. Yeah, I mean, really, if you can get yeah. your backpack to around about six kilograms, that I think is optimal. And with food and water, it would weigh around about seven and a half. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and then you're in. You're yeah, then you're in the sweet spot to walk then with you're, comfort. Yeah. I think. And I, and I um I I once I did that day, I sent all my stuff by post to Santiago to meet me at the end because it just wasn't worth it. Um. The second thing I would say is um, it rains significantly for about a week straight. And I hadn't even thought about the type of socks I would bring with me. And, uh, and again, I would say if you can find some form of waterproof sock, just as a backup, there's no harm in just having it as a, just, just in case. Um, because you know, it is horrible when you're just soaked through. It doesn't matter how much you're trying. It just doesn't make a difference. Um, a good pair of hike, hiking trainers or a pair of boots with good ankle support. Um, you know, the most important thing is not everyone has got great ankle support. You know, a lot of people do have weak ankles. So try and, um, you know, look after them as much as you can because you know, long-term damage is not what you want to do. Um, cheap tip is I just, I use Vaseline actually to protect my feet every day. Um, yeah, just, um, try and every night you will get into this sort of momentum as you go along. Cause you'll stop, you'll see a lot of people doing it as well is, you know, at the end of every night, you know, you really sort of look after your feet, your feet are number one, you, you know, you moisturize them, cover them in Vaseline. You just make sure there's nothing left. <laughs> Um, that hasn't been covered in Vaseline, um, definitely buy a blister pack. Um, you can get them everywhere. Amazon, you can buy the pack on there. Um, just, just, just buy it because it doesn't matter how good feet you have. You never know. There's, it's amazing how, you know, you can just find blisters that you never even thought you'd ever get in places you'd never even looked. So, um, on your feet, buy a blister pack. Um, Another thing is supportive insoles. Um, sometimes, actually, um, you know, you can sort of sort of get um, quite pain. It can be quite painful underneath, just sort of in the middle of your foot. Like it's kind of like a, um, a, a twinging sort of pain sometimes that you can get. And it might be a case of you need a nice pair of insoles just to help you out. 
Um, so yeah, those are my key tips on, you know, taking care of your feet. So waterproof socks, blister pack, inner soles as well, and making there's some good ankle support on your footwear, whether you're choosing boots or whether you're choosing trail runners. Those are Janine's tips. Thanks, Janine. Now let's talk about We've mentioned some of the things you sent to Santiago, and we'll maybe cover a couple of those in a second, but what will be the three most important things in your packing list? Were you to walk the Camino again? I know in our pre-interview chat, you said you were going to, what you were planning on, you had one eye on the Camino Portuguese. So imagine you're going to do that again. What would be the first three things at the top of your kit list, apart from the Um, backpack, the shoes and the socks? I mean, are these these like... um you know, the practical things or, you know, they're, I don't they're know. your things, Janine, what, what you would take and it, it could be whatever you want them to be. Okay. This is completely um, off be, track. So, it you know, be personal, it could be, you know, a guilty pleasure, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm mine. Uh, mine aren't so sensible, but you're as a woman, you'll realize it is important actually. So number one, I would say your journal, take your journal. It's just you'll you'll love it when you get back and you read through some of the things you've written down. Number two, it sounds really silly, but a disposable camera, because sometimes, you know, you're in the moment and, you know, you don't want to have your phone with you all the time, but you just want to take some pictures, which you don't really want to keep going over and scanning over and checking and deleting because someone doesn't like it. But disposable camera you can take it you can take loads of funny pictures and the best part is when you get back you can develop the film and see what you've got and it's just those are kind of like these keepsake memories that you know you will never be able to no one else will have it it will be really special um yeah a disposable camera and the third one for the ladies it sounds ridiculous but just take one nice dress. <laughs> it doesn't have to be fancy, but just one nice dress um, amongst, you know, your one pair of shorts and your T-shirt. Because there will just be one night where you're just like, I just want to just not wear these same, you know, vest, stringy vest top and my shorts, which I've worn for nearly three weeks um, when you're going out for a meal. And, you know, it's just something I'd recommend. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would agree with you on that one as well. And I would certainly agree with you on the disposable camera because I, I'm, as many listeners of the podcast know, I'm loath to carry my phone with me on on the Camino. I just like to have a complete break from technology as much as possible. And I would also agree with you on the journal as well because I, I, on the last Camino, my wife and I, we just had these little exercise books that weigh next to nothing. And you could just jot all the main events of the day, what happened into there when you're finished and when you're having your your pilgrim menu while you're waiting for your, your food to come and, and that's uh i would agree with all of those not sure i could get a dress on but yeah um, <laughs> my wife would definitely agree and it's funny because in our first podcast the very first interview we had a lovely american lady called tiara and she said she likes to carry a scarf just so she can feel a bit girly at the end of the day so i think that's a great one yeah, yeah. and i think in episode 16 um our a lovely lady from 
Los Angeles, Rachel Smith, she said, pack the least amount of things you need to be comfortable. So if you're comfortable with those things, you don't have to justify it to anybody as long as you're exactly. enjoying it. If you've got a guilty pleasure and that, that disposable camera or that, that dress is your guilty pleasure, then it's all good. Um, talking about favorite things like your dress and your, your camera, what would you, an alberg that you stayed in along the Camino, Camino del Norte that you'd recommend others stop at as well? Oh, uh, that, that, this is a hard one, actually. Mm. I think there was two that really stood out for me rather than one. <laughs> Go for it. You can pick two. That's fine. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I t- so the first one that really, um, and I'm sure people say this all the time because I don't know, it's just incredible. It's the one in um, Guemes and it's run by Father Ernesto. Um, can you spell that please, Guemes? Guemes, G-W-E, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, no, it's not. G-W-Guemes. Oh, I can't find it. Do, 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 do. I've written it down because I it's not spelt how it's said, if that makes sense. Would it be um, G? I tell you what, I'll look at it. Don't worry. You just tell us more or less where it is and, and any kind of distinctive features about it. And uh, I shall do my detective work. Thank you. So it is run by Father Ernesto. And it is, I would say, the pinnacle of the um, North Route Camino. Um, so he, he comes from a line of, um, pilgrims and his, he has, he basically, he's created this incredible alberg, which encompasses everything about your Camino experience. He spent, um, a lot of his life in South America and Africa and obviously Spain. And I think when you've had that experience of so many different diverse worlds, he, you know, you're able to not shy away from the deeper questions of life because you've seen so much and it allows him to really sort of help pilgrims through their experience. So you'll walk in and it's this beautiful grounds. You're welcomed in by um, so many different helpers and volunteers. You know, you're getting a drink on arrival and it, it was just it was such a special place um, just in terms of how I was treated. Um, and, you know, you walk around the, the, the site and there's murals on the wall that tell stories. And it really kind of brings back to like the philosophy of the pilgrim life. And it just, it really helps people understand why, why, why am I doing this? What, are, what is the purpose of this trip? Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it was just a beautiful place where people could really share their, their life and their travel stories. And it brought up a lot of, I say, I guess for you, the best way to describe it is, for say an average traveler who hasn't really been able to, who hasn't been open to see a lot of what the world offers. And um, we can sort of not want to talk about things which are quite uncomfortable and um one of the things that um Ernesto really highlights is that you know everyone is allowed at the table and it's sort of that quote as there's there's no discrimination about there's no discrimination in terms of who you are what color you are you're everyone has a seat at the table and um 
And I think that kind of really hit home to a lot of people because he really talks about his experiences in, you know, Africa and and South America. And a lot of people haven't been exposed to those sort of um, issues that some people might have in life. So it really makes you look at your own story, your own journey and question your own identity and who you are and how you've got to this place, which I loved. I really loved that. So the Albergue Güemes, where Father Ernesto is the hospitalero and makes you feel very welcome, affords you that, shall we say, pastoral care, and which from everything you've said, it seems like a really good point to stop and reflect on your journey so far. That's one recommendation. What was the next one you wanted to mention, Janine? The next one, actually. So it was an Albergue, and it was it was called Santa Cruz... Barana, Baranana, I think. Barana, Barana. Banana. Yeah, say it again. Sorry, I said banana. Berana, Berana, Santa Cruz Berana. We'll go for that one and I'll have a look at that. It sounds like it's a V, V-E-R-A-N-O. It's actually a B, B-E-R-A-N-A. Santa Cruz Berana, okay. Yeah. We'll look that up and stick a link to that on our Facebook page as well, Camino de Santiago Pilgrims Podcast. Tell us about that one, why you recommend it. Absolutely fantastic. Um, it was just totally unexpected. Um, I, You know, when you sort of, you kind of enter an alberg and you're sort of in that rhythm of things and, you know, it just, you're just, you're in a mindset where you're not, you know, you're sort of traveling in sort of like this gray zone where, it's going to take you a while to get to that next big place and you're not expecting anything exciting at you know at, at this alberg and it just it just completely surprised me it was absolutely beautiful um you know you'd go in and it was this cozy little feel you know cozy little house but it had all those sort of home comforts that you need like if you wanted to play an instrument there would be an instrument there for you whatever it was that you wanted to play you know the host could speak so many different languages she was just sort of very vibrant and lovely and they had this gorgeous um table in the kitchen that could probably fit about maybe up to 20 people and they prepared this incredible meal for everyone I cannot describe how amazing it looked you know there was goat's cheese um put out on everyone's plate um, you know, like an omelette, tortilla, uh, tortilla star, um, starter, salads, everything was just beautifully presented. And it was just the effort and detail that went into this albergue that really kind of, you know, really got me. Um, it was so clean and so cozy. And um, you really felt like you were really part of a family. And um, what I liked about it, it was, again, it was one where I didn't have to it wasn't a set price it was based on a donation and I was really taken aback by it because it was just the standards were just incredible and um I, I would I would highly recommend staying there so it was the Alberg Santa Cruz Berrana and I've just looked up as well Janine it was the Hostel La Cabana del Abuelo Pueto and that is in Guemes, which is spelled G-U-E-M-E-S. So G-U-E-M-E-S, and that's where Father Ernesto is the hospitalero and makes you feel welcome. Two great recommendations there. Thank you so much, Janine. Now, from a favourite Alberta to a favourite city, town or village along the Camino del Norte that you'd recommend people must stop at 
when they go there? Oh, this is a tough one as well. There's so many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're trying to get out all the juicy details. Um, okay. So let me think back to... Oh yeah, so we're on the we're on the coastal way. Obviously, is just a massive bonus for those who love to be by the sea. But there was um, one area which was in, um, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Yanez. Yanez. Um, it's actually spelt double L A N N E S, I think. Yanez. Yanez. Yes. And you've got these incredible views of the beach and there was this stunning view of this beach called Playa de la Balota and I would highly recommend going there and just just oh it's so well you will go there if you're going on that route but it's beautiful um and the sunsets in that area are just insane I cannot describe how amazing it is to watch the sunset from there it was it's nothing else like I've seen. So, highly recommend it. So, Yanis and Playa de la Pelota, right? That's what you said? Yeah. And that yeah. uh, translates in English as uh, the football beach, strangely. But, so, yeah. Um, so, maybe go there and uh, play a bit of football and enjoy those amazing sunsets. Thanks, Janine. Now, we're going to launch into some quick fire questions. So, uh, we might have covered this already, but just in case there's another one. Favourite Camino blog, vlog, book and or film? Uh, I'll push you a Camino journey of 500 miles, two best friends and one wheelchair. You can find it on Vimeo. I've heard of that and I've heard it's amazing as well. Um, favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Oh, gosh, that's so hard. Um, I, okay, favorite drink, um, cider. Oh, my gosh, loved it. I love the way they pour the cider. Um, and um, I would say... Uh, the just the the tapas the tapas available in the, in the basque region is just incredible so try the tapas they're called pinchos they call them there pinchos that's pinchos, the one that's right. loved yeah, it so try the tapas the pinchos uh one thing you wished you'd packed maybe that's wrong because you sounds like you took the kitchen sink with you but <laughs> tell you what one thing i wish i'd packed was two poles not one <laughs> you took one pole i took one pole <laughs> mm, interesting <laughs> You're gonna play yeah. some cricket along the way or something, or just uh... honestly, if if I had a picture of myself on this Camino, I I hope you're kind of putting the picture together. It wasn't pretty in any way, <laughs> but it was full of character and passion and enthusiasm, and that's all that matters. That that can that's... carry you a long way. So take two poles, <laughs> not one. Um, one thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again. Sounds like there was a lot, but can you give us a one or two things maybe? Yeah, I I took my um my laptop, which I carried with me for the whole of the Camino. <laughs> <laughs> okay right so no mo no that. mobile phone but a laptop i could see you, you thought this through janine <laughs> okay um did did you find that one word in spanish came in especially especially useful more than others oh i tell you what oh, well there's quite a few everything can get very lost in translation i've realized and there's a few stories there but i mean i would say despacito <laughs> slow because the amount of times if you do need to understand what someone is saying if you're a little bit lost or you just want to ask something you just they just you know if, if spanish is not the easiest language for you then just try that word it might help and you can even <laughs> sing it to people as well so that's another way to be instantly understood Despacito. <laughs> anyway um favorite thing about the camino 
favorite thing about the Camino, you know what I really loved about the Camino is, um, you know, you get you get to your destination at the end of an evening, in the evening, and you'd it was that feeling, that sort of oh, such a feeling of satisfaction once you kind of you've had your shower and you sat down, and you're just surrounded by people who you've been walking with or bumping into along the way that day. And all of a sudden, you're all at the same alberg, and you're all sat around the table having dinner. And it is just this incredible feeling of all being together and just just watching people's faces and seeing just like the the happiness and the stories that they share. It's just it's it's really lovely to watch and be part of. I think the Camino, just to add to that as well, it really recalibrates your happiness threshold as well it yeah you find immeasurable pleasure in things that you otherwise would never have found pleasure in and just that feeling of sitting your bum down at the end of the day it's like ah oh, this is heaven so Absolutely. i could one of my yeah. favorite things too um on the contrary what would be the hardest thing on the camino for you the hardest thing i think on the camino is um it's actually well uh, for me this was what I felt on the Camino del Norte was, you know, you're fighting against nature and that's hard <laughs> when you can't change nature, you know, and it's, it's something that you have to mentally sort of work through. I mean, the amount of times where we are just literally knee deep in mud, just trying, trying to get past, trying to get to the next stage, our poles are sort of stuck in the mud everything is wet you know there are so many times where it was nature that I was angry with (laughs) and I can't you can't you know fighting against nature is one of those which you have to sort of let go of and you know and realize no you know this is this is the beauty of it it's not don't fight it dance with it yeah how cheesy was that dance with nature (laughs) <laughs> yes very cheesy right forgive yeah. me for that listeners please okay um no i mean i completely agree with you and i wonder if like the yoga yoga came in handy with that as well because i think for me personally and i mentioned this to my wife as well is that when you walk and you turn off your mobile phone mm-hmm. and slowly but surely you start to reunite yourself with not only nature and all the sights sounds smells and sensations going around you but you unite your mind with your movement with your body as well and to me that's really really powerful that actually it's like I can I'm taking notice of everything I'm seeing smelling everything I'm feeling in my body and to me that is part of that recalibrating of of the happiness that happens little by little as you go day by day along the Camino and would you say that, that the yoga helps you with that as well you know um I think it does and I th- well it's, it's it's one of those that's quite difficult actually because you, it depends where you are on your journey because you're going through so much that the first week is just a battle of survival I would say you're just trying to survive <laughs> <laughs> and then as the week goes weeks go by you sort of you know, it's like an onion, you know, you peel the layers and it, and you know, you're able, it's like one day you suddenly, you can start to hear things that you haven't heard. Next day you can start to see things and you can start to feel things. And it is, um, 
it is that sort of process of um, kind of going through that momentum where you can sort of see the bigger picture. Um, so yes, the yoga does help, but I'd say it, it, it starts to kick in a little bit. Not, it doesn't kick in straight away. Mm-mm. It kicks in a little bit down in the middle of your, um, your experience. Mm. And just while we're still on the long fire round, we're going to do a quick fire round, but we've gone long fire. That's fine. <laughs> um, a <laughs> restaurant that you can recommend that your fellow pilgrim stop at. Oh, a restaurant. I would say a restaurant that I went to. In fact, you know what? It was, um, I would say, Mushia. Mushia, I can never say it correctly. It was in Mushia and I went, it was it was at the end of my Camino, really, because in some ways I really sort of, re- everything I ate was just such, it was a pleasure. It was just like, I've earned this. Food I'm tourism, really, yeah. Yeah, I've really, I'm really enjoying this because of, uh, yeah. Um, and it was, I'm just trying to remember the name of the place. It was, um, it was called, uh, great place, would recommend it if I can just remember it. It's coming to me, it's coming to me. Um, mm, yes, Baro Porto, that's the place. <laughs> So I ordered a portion of calamari and mussels and, I, I, and, a, and, a, and a large glass of gin and tonic, actually. And um, I, I, I just thought I was getting a small portion, but it was just the most incredible seafood. It was just incredible. So, and you're looking out onto the sea. It's just brilliant. You have to do it. It's a good way to reward yourself near the end of your Camino as well. So Mushia Bar O Porto. It was worth waiting for there, Janine. Thanks for racking your brains for that one. Um, Let's um, go on to some more of the general discussion. Money matters. How did you manage your money on the Camino? Yeah, that's um, that's a good question, actually. Um, Let me... Lots of people ask this and are wondering how much cash they should carry and and whether they accept card along the way. How yeah. did you manage it, and how, did, how was it for you? Um, so for me, I mean, I, obviously, I started in Biarritz, and I was, read, I was already in a state of panic when I paid something like €25 Euros for one night in a hostel, and that, exclude, that, wasn't, that was excluding food. So it, it's something that I feel really, you know, everyone, it's always good to know. Um, so I would say um, places do take cards, um, I would recommend where you do see a cash point, use that opportunity because for some reason, once you're up in the hills, it, you know, you might not see a cash point for maybe one, one or one and a half days. And if you're on your own, then it is always advisable to have cash because I was lucky enough that I met someone that I could walk with and we walked together for 28 days. And that, that again, changed my experience of my Camino. But I would say if I was on my own, I think I would have done that differently. And I would have definitely carried cash because, you know, you don't have that person to rely on as much sometimes. Um, I also um, found a really good website and app. And I, it's called Grons, www.grons.com. And there are plenty that? of apps. Grons, um, G-R-O-N-Z-E, Grons. Grons. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of apps out there that people might use but this one for me was just brilliant for me um what it helped me do is it obviously provides you with a route that you've decided to do and it provides you with a list of every 
accommodation and place to stay, the cost of a particular room, whether it's a donation um, sort of albergue or a private. Um, and it kind of allows you then to kind of start thinking about how you're going to manage your budget. And, you know, it gives you a bit more freedom as to, oh, how much is this going to cost? Because, you know, a lot of the... Um, the donation albergues you didn't you, you, you could just turn up you didn't you couldn't just book in advance and uh, reserve yourself a room which again is also in, uh, something to consider as well um so yeah i i, I would recommend grons um as an app um i tended to stay in the donativo albergues because they were based on um they were based on a donation sort of fee that doesn't mean that they're free um but it means that you know you there's there's lots of different types some are very basic in the sense you know you have a basic bed a shower and a place to sleep and that's it nothing else so it's like kind of really kind of clear as to how much money you can afford to pay for something like that um others they might add a communal breakfast onto that as well um so you know you can start to say okay i can you know based on what I received I can put towards six euros to this I can give my donation and you know I think the key thing is and I don't want to kind of emphasize this if you are on a budget and it's sort of free because it's not because you know the these places are sort of do need to kind of run themselves and without that donation a lot of these places cannot sort of manage to keep up um you know with the electricity bills and all sorts of different things that they have to pay for so you know, always just bear that in mind um, when you stay at them. Um, and then obviously what I would do is I'd also mix it up by maybe staying in a few private albergs now and again, because, you know, someone might give me a recommendation and say, you know, it's worth going there, check it out. Um, and and also if you have maybe formed a little group um, and, you know, you feel comfortable with each other, then perhaps a private alberg split between the three of you isn't so bad and it doesn't work out as much money as you do, as you'd expect it to be um a lot of places do have you know a communal dinner and breakfast um so that can also help just sort of you know working out how much you can afford and whether that's a good bit of value for money for you or you prefer to go and eat out um when it came to breakfast i would say you know i would probably say if a place didn't serve breakfast i'd pay probably around six euros for a cafe con leche and a little bit of um you know a little bit of an omelette or something in the morning just to keep me going um when it came to i'd say um again you know buying food from a supermarket um one of the things to bear in mind is if you're walking on your own you know, you don't want to end up being weighed down by having so much stuff in your bag because you're planning ahead and you're buying X, Y and Z. So just bear that in mind when you're if you're on your own and you're going to a supermarket and you're like, right, what do I need? Try and keep it lightweight. Again, if you're with someone, it's great. You split the cost and you can buy you know, some cheese, tomato, baguettes some fruit and biscuits. And that keeps you going. Um, and then when it comes to sort of lunch and dinner, this is what I loved about um, the 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 pilgrim there there are so many um options where you can have a most amazing three-course meal with wine can i just add and um, you will pay about 10 to 11 euros for this um so again that's just a nice little extra thing 
that you can consider you know if you're going to have a big lunch then maybe you might have a light dinner to save on costs or if you've got the cash you can just go big and have a lovely amazing lunch and amazing dinner yeah Um, you can change it you can change it up from day to day depending on how much your you've got in your budget and maybe how much you spent the day before how long you got to go but it like you said i think it is nice actually every now and again to mix it up because sometimes you do get a bit tired of of not having that privacy in the alberg especially if you haven't had a good night's sleep or for any other reason um and i've just been on that website now the grons.com so that's g-r-o-n-z-e e.com and i just tapped on for example the camino del norte and it gives you a list of places to stay and it gives you a link to all of those places and exactly how much it costs so that is a fantastic tool that you've given us there janine thank you so much grons.com i'll put a link to that on our facebook page and i, I think our camino coach in episode 30 cassie she recommended as an absolute minimum that you budget for 30 euros per day do you think that's workable for you Absolutely, 30 euros. I mean, you do it comfortably, wouldn't you, if you were doing a minimal? You you would. I spent, I spent, I've actually worked this out. I probably spent about 1,400 to 500 for six weeks. And that sounds like you were having a good time and enjoying the food and the wine and and the, 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 so we say the gastro tourism along the way you were getting the most out of that so you were definitely getting the most out of your Camino and that's not even that much really is it so um but yeah because I guess you have to bear in mind actually that's one of the most important things is you're walking so far every day and you're burning more calories than you'll ever have burnt in one day and you will be hungry (laughs) so that's one thing you can guarantee yeah you so important yeah. yeah Now, I want to go circle back to what we said at the start, Janine, if that's okay. And I don't know if there's a way you can maybe link this in. But you walked, you said, for a reason. You said it it was a towel moment. You said everything just came down. Life wasn't going as you expected it to. If you're comfortable just saying exactly what that moment was and... Whilst you were on the Camino, any insights you had relating to that moment and maybe how the Camino helped you grow from that and move on to the next stage of your life? And maybe that was via, maybe that could be via an encounter with someone you met or it could just be a moment of epiphany you had along the way. If you could just like, yeah, yeah, tell a, tell a, a, a memory or a story that all related to that. So, I mean when I talked about this tower moment, I mean, it wasn't one particular thing. I think it just, we're all very different and we all have expectations as to what we should be doing or what, where we should be in life. And, um, and sometimes, you know, you can, you know, you can just, as a female, I mean, this is, as a, a woman, you know, I, I think, you know, when you get to a certain age, when you get to your 30s, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you feel like you have to have accomplished. And sometimes that's not always going to work out in the way you expected it. And um, and it was how to deal with with my expectations. How, you know, were they too unrealistic? And um, one of the things that I loved about the Camino, and I think, I, I mean, this is part of the magic of it, is there are, there are people you'll meet along the way who you will just be like, I don't even understand. You're really annoying. 
I'm trying to get away from you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be very honest. Like, you will sometimes just be like, I just don't understand. I, they're still here. I've woken up at 6 a.m. To, to, to set off early. And they're still at the same place. They're, they followed me. How have they managed to get to the same Alberg as me? And, um, and you will be, there will be people that are placed in your path that I hate, I think they are there to teach you something about yourself. And, and that's something I will never forget is just, you know, it's the people you least expect on the Camino path who will give you the biggest lesson or teach you something about yourself. And, um, can you divulge one thing that you learned from that one specific? I, I think the lesson? key, I think, well, I mean, it, for me, it was quite different, actually, because the Camino for me was just the start of my journey. <laughs> um, and it was, if anything, it, it, it allowed me to be a little bit more enlightened into opening up my, not having so many barriers up and recognizing that there's not just one way of doing things in life. There are many ways that still lead to success. And, and yeah, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite a complex one because it was the Camino for me signified the beginning of something. It, it, it opened up my, how can I say, it gave me a freedom that I didn't understand I had. Um, and there were many people along my path where at the time I didn't understand and it wasn't till maybe a few weeks later, once I'd finished my Camino, it was that sinking feeling of, ah, I get it, I get it. And knowing that, you know, I never sort of, um, you know, I, you know, I never left it on bad terms with any of these people that I met because it was just more of a, like an internal dialogue that I was going on inside of me. But to know that, I'm still in contact with these people that I met who I had this inner dialogue and this inner turmoil with, um, knowing that they gave me something that I, something really special. Um, yeah. And I, I, that, that will make me, I was, you know, it was quite, yeah, it was really, I was really grateful for that. So, yeah. So you've mentioned that your life wasn't going how you wanted or how you expected it to. You maybe hadn't, done the things that you that maybe society tells you you should do but that doesn't necessarily mean that's correct what does your post Camino life look like compared to your pre Camino life what changes have you made is there a new business set up is there a new job because you said you quit your job what's what's yeah. what's what's the new Janine like so after the Camino I am um, I then started the next part of my journey which was to Argentina then from Argentina, I went to Brazil. And then from Brazil, I went to um, Colombia. Traveling. Traveling. And then I, and then I, I came back um, around August 2019. And, and in that time, obviously, I had so much time to process everything that I'd gone through. And it was, it really... I, I, I realized that I couldn't do, I couldn't go back to the same life and I couldn't do the same things that I did before. And it was mainly, it was, it was, it was really about understanding the self and understanding who I was as a person 
um, and giving myself that time to do it. Um, not everyone gets that chance, I realized. And, um, you know, it's, it's so important for us to, number one, be able to um, want to understand ourselves, want to understand and get to the bottom of our fears. You know, there are plenty of people that will just not like to accept you know, the things about ourselves, there's so much about ourselves that we don't really kind of um, want to, we kind of block off. And I'd, I had been open, I'd seen so much of myself and I'd been put in so many situations that I ha- I couldn't ignore some things about my personality or who I was. And it really, I, I mean, I grew so much in that time. And I would say now I, I live a completely different life. I am... Um, I've decided to not go back to the same way of living, not go back to the same town. Um, I still travel <laughs> and that's what I do at the moment. I, um, I travel to different places every month. I teach English online, which allows me to sort of um, get out and see the world. And I allow myself the chance to continue learning and seeing what's out there and not just sort of, you know, thinking that this, that's the end. I've learned everything. I don't know any more. I continue to grow as a person by learning about where I am, who I am, who are the people that I'm meeting, and just the experiences that I, that I gain. Um, I just think it's, it's incredible when, you, when I have to be able to have that opportunity. And it might not be forever, it might be something I do forever, but for now it feels like this is the right place and this is where I should be. Um, yeah, and so it's it's just very beautiful. I like <laughs> your, beautiful. I like your story, Janine. I really like your story, and I'm really grateful for you sharing that with the listeners and and for for the podcast as well because I think your story is very very typical of many people's Camino journeys from making the decision to actually walk in the Camino to the person that you evolve into not only on the Camino but afterwards as well because you shed that skin for one I know this sounds quite cheesy but you do become another person the person that goes on the Camino isn't always the person that comes back for some people they don't see those you know they don't have to make those dramatic changes but it sounded like you needed a change you wanted a change and the Camino gave you that the confidence and the belief in yourself that you could make that changes and it you were able to see how much power you had inside you and what you were capable of, which probably before the Camino, by the sounds of it, you didn't think you could probably do. And I love the fact that you're doing something you've always wanted to do now. You're traveling the world. You've got the confidence to go out and do it. You even had the confidence at the start to say, right, I'm not going to do the Frances. I'm going to do, do the do the Norte because that sounds more like what you want to do. You were fearless from start to finish and you took control of that. And, and I love your story. And there'll be so many people that are listening to this thinking, I don't like my life the way it is now. I want to make some changes. Maybe the Camino is a good thing to do, to think about where and how to make those changes. And it doesn't always have to be such a profound change at the end, but in often, in many cases, it is. And my Camino is story is exactly the same as yours from when I started, made the decision to go to the person that came back and then made, I had a business, I closed it down. After the Camino, I made so many massive changes. 
the only thing I would say is to make those changes gradually, if possible, because I made them very, very impulsively and my world came crashing down around me because of it. And it was a dark time in my life because of that. But um, I'm all blood and thunder and not much brains at times. And I know that's my weakness, (laughs) but I love what you're doing. And, you know, I'm chatting to you. And where are you from in the UK? Um, I'm from Yorkshire, actually. I'm from North Yorkshire. Well, you don't sound like you've got a Yorkshire accent, Janine. Like sounds, Do I not? You sound very neutral, actually. Uh, yeah, it's it's the um, it's a town called Harrogate in um, North Yorkshire. Okay. Slightly different, I would say, to the rest of Yorkshire. Can you break into a Yorkshire accent at all? E by gum. That wasn't a <laughs> Yorkshire accent. That was a posh person saying something Yorkshire people would say. <laughs> Okay, um, well, um, I have lots of friends from Yorkshire and we're always on a bit of north-south banter, which is quite fun. But Janine, it's wonderful to hear your story. I'm really, really grateful for your an hour of your time today. Um, as a thank you, I'm going to send you a copy of my Camino de Santiago memoir, which is called The Only Way Is West. You'll get that via email, so keep an eye out for that. And if anyone's looking to learn English online, maybe they've got some friends that are learning English, where can they find you? Ah, yes. Um, Well, uh, I actually, I currently work for a company online. So I'm not yet self, I'm not yet doing my own thing for that. But on the other, one of the good things that came out of the Camino is I I loved the community element of walking the the Camino and the trust that I found you could just the trust it was just an incredible experience and it really inspired me um and when I came back because obviously I'm still business orientated in some ways I can't let that go I um I partnered up with a company called tag and track and we designed a pack which essentially it protects your um valuables in case um they're lost you leave them somewhere or you drop you know anything it's it's a anti-theft lost property protection company and um what you do is you attach the little keyring with a serial number to any of your items and if anyone finds your your um your lost item they can just call the number up or send an email to tag and track and when I was on the Camino, I found someone's phone and um, it was just in like the, you know, just off the track and the phone was off. I had no way of contacting the person to say, hey, I found your phone. I don't know whose it is because I, I, I was wanting to give it back to them. Um, so it was these it's these kind of sort of stories where, you know, I still I still believe that there are people out there that are kind and want to help um help you um give find your lost property and give it back to you not everyone's out there to take it so um it's a service that we offer and it is www.tagandtrack.com and across april and march we've got a 10 percent discount for anyone who would like to purchase the pack um and it's a great service because it lasts for 12 months and you know, your your items can be covered. And if there is someone out there who finds them, you're, they will be given back to you. Janine, thank you so much for your time. Everybody, look up Tag and Track as well, Janine's company. Janine, I just want to wish you for your next Camino, whenever that may be, or the, the Camino through life that we're all on. Buen Camino. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Wandering wanderer. Uh -huh. 